someone gave me a shot to show them what I can do. It's not it's not a pity party. You know, I don't want I don't want people to, you know, show me any pity or, or, or to feel bad for me. I am very proud that I was treated as, you know, as every other actor. Somebody wasn't just saying, well, sucks what you went through and you came out, you know, a one-legged tap dancer. Good job. It was all that hard work while I went through chemo to go back to school and to perform and to keep going, figuring out what it is what I wanted to do, all led up to that moment to say, we see you. That's Evan Ruggiero, and I'm Brian Felchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Day doers, I got a big episode for you today. It's a really powerful one, and there are some stories that are powerful and difficult and take your breath away. This is one of those, but it doesn't leave you there. It also reminds you just how resilient and capable human beings can be even when they're up against the hardest of hard, if they choose to be, if they have that empowerment, that sense of capability, that sense of, uh, I don't know, drive and passion, you'll see when we get into it. The guy that I have on is Evan Ruggiero. Evan started dancing, tap dancing actually, uh, from a very early age, and he was kind of a virtuoso. I don't know if that's the right word to use for a tap dancer, but he was really good at it. Let's put it like that. I grew up in New Jersey and he just kind of like became a force to be reckoned with in the tap dancing community. Went to college and and did tap dancing while he was there and performing arts and um, in theater, musical theater. He got his Bachelor of Fine Arts in musical theater and that's all great. And he was on his way to Broadway and Um, something happened, something stood in the way and I kind of want to tell you what it is. So you know who this guy is, but I also kind of don't because there's something in hearing the story firsthand as it played out that uh, there's, there's too much power in that, I think for me to spoil it. So I'm, I think I'm going to stop there and not actually fully introduce him and his story because you've got to hear it live. But what I will say is, um, I found this guy because he was on the Ellen show and he's been profiled a ton on the internet. And uh, my son and my wife and I were actually looking around at some different inspirational videos and saw his and it was like, wow, this is pretty incredible. Um, He's in a bunch of uh, different shows. He's doing an off-Broadway show in the summer of 2018. Um, He won an award for one of them, a Clive Barnes award that he'll talk about. He's really, really inspiring. He's really, really talented. So I've gotten to see him on video, but see him tap dance. It's amazing. But you got to know about the missing link in this story, and it's unreal. So I'm not really going to tell you the whole deal. I'm going to leave it there. You've got to listen. You've got to hear it. You are going to be moved. And uh, just hang with it, because you may be like, where's the story going? And then it goes somewhere. So prepare yourselves. This is Evan Ruggiero. It's an amazing story, and you've got to hear it. And you got to hear the positivity and the... Uh, let, let's just jump in, because I'm just going to keep talking in circles. Let's jump right into the show. Evan Ruggiero, thank you so much for being here. This is uh, quite an honor to have you on. So thank you. Oh, you're thank welcome. You. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Brian. I'm happy to be here. 
It was, um, I was telling you before we started recording how, um, it, my son has been all giddy about me talking to you because he oh. he's actually <laughs> the one who showed me one of the videos of you and he's just totally right. in awe. And I love that. Like th that was a sign to me that not only are you someone who's been through a lot and we will get into your story, um, mm -hmm. but you're inspiring people and I'm sure you're aware of it, but I don't know at like, <laughs> you know, you. what a it's level. A, Thank you. Yeah, it's you know it's it's a very I I don't it's a very interesting thing almost to talk about when when someone says hey you're inspiring and and you inspire me and um you know I I you know I, and and like you said we'll get into it with everything but um you know to uh to briefly touch upon it 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 was almost like you know when when I went through everything that, that we're about to talk about um it was just like trying to come back to my everyday life and and you know try to get through those goals and to have that dream you know uh, you know uh, uh, to follow that dream um and just taking things one step at a time no pun intended as <laughs> we we are we're so like uh anticipating or setting up the, i know the whole i know story. So everyone's we, like what's that we should what do you mean step what's, we should we should jump into it so yeah, please t tell people like what what's the story here and and I mean you can go back if you want cuz you told me stuff about yeah. your your teenage years and the kind of person you were and and I think there's an interesting contrast to today. So take us through the story, you know, what Absolutely. what brought you here? Yeah, uh uh well, let's go back back to the day to 1995. Uh I uh saw my sister in a dance class and I just thought this looks like a lot of fun. Why not give it a shot? Um, you know, my, uh, my father had gotten me the uh, the Michael Jackson VHS uh, history or his story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that old VHS. And it was just like, oh, man, if Michael Jackson's out here dancing, like, guys can dance. This is cool. And then seeing my sister in class and seeing her having fun and knowing that there was a place that I, I could actually do that, I thought, let me go here and let me start dancing. So what? I started out with a uh, with a street jazz or a hip hop class. Okay, I was and, just going to ask you what kind of yeah. dance it was back then. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was very much like that Michael Jackson style. And um, my buddy uh, across the street uh, from me, we both signed up together. So the two of us were the only guys in class. Nice. And it was a, it was a fun first year. Um, and this is where where in the country is this? this is New York area. Uh, this is yeah i live in new jersey okay. this took place in old bridge new jersey and um the second year i told my parents that i wanted to take tap and i got tap shoes and there was something about it from day one that i knew uh tap was gonna follow me for a long time um it instantly clicked and I, I was, I heard it. I, I, I could hear the rhythms in my head, and I understood how to move my feet uh -huh. to, 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 to basic, to, uh, to, to enunciate those rhythms. And um, I spent a few years at the studio learning and, you know, getting all the education that I could. And you know, I, and this, this, this sounds. And then by the age of ten, I, I know I was so young. But, uh, but, you know, at the age of 10, I knew that I needed to be pushed more with tap dancing. And uh, a that's a camp, really mature kind of realization that a lot of kids don't have. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, it was I mean, it was it was my mother and 
and and myself and we knew that you know okay i wasn't getting the you know i, I wasn't learning to the best of, you know th there was more to learn and understand about tap dancing that i wasn't going to receive just at my dance school and it and and i needed to broaden that spectrum of dance and so i found this boot camp um, that was being run by the New Jersey Tap Ensemble, which was a company dedicated to rhythm tap dancing. And I, you know, I went for it. So I studied that summer at this, at this, at these camp sessions, and I really loved it. And the director said, look, why don't you audition for my company? It's a professional tap company. We have a youth ensemble, um, all of our performance, you know, everything that you study with me. Um, you know, we, we don't charge you to get this education and you'll perform around New Jersey and New York. So I thought, yeah, why not? So I auditioned for the company and I got in and um, uh, the director of that company was Deborah Mitchell. And uh, one of my very first performances was at Lincoln Center in New York. Wow. Yeah. So it was exciting. It was yeah. I think that was actually my second performance. So. And where, where were your parents in this mix in terms of being supportive versus pushing versus holding back? Like, wh where were they on, you know, in, in the equation? Oh, they, oh I, well, I have, to, I have to talk about my father then for like two seconds. Yeah. Because uh, he, so my dad was, um, my dad wanted to be a baseball player. And he was actually drafted to the uh, to the uh, Cincinnati Reds minor league uh, equivalent. Wow. You know how they have have their minor league organizations before you go off to the majors. And um, you know that was something that he really wanted to do. And he hurt his arm um, while playing, so he could never play. So when I was younger and going through all of this, uh, you know, I was I was a very well rounded child. I played soccer, baseball, football on the block. Uh, and then I just happened to be a dancer as well. And, um, you know, a lot of, you know, I was in a baseball league, uh, uh, Sayerwood South Little League. That was it. And um, there were just there were just times where I just didn't really care so much to be there. You know, a famous a famous Evan story of mine is when it was the bottom of the ninth and the bases were loaded and. You know, I knew that I had to be at a dance rehearsal and I was only allowed to miss two rehearsals. And there was no way that I was going to miss it for this baseball game. And, uh, you know, I see my mom in the car and, uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm about to go up. You know, I'm, I'm on deck. I'm about to be up at bat. And I just was like, I don't know if I could. I, I, I can't be late. I can't miss dance class for this. And. And I'm looking at my mom and I'm looking at the at the coach and and I just kind of I turned to my coach and I just said, sorry, coach, I got to go. I I have to go to dance right now. <laughs> and and I walked over home plate and I was just like, I got to go to dance. Uh, that's it. And, um, you know, that was one, uh, you know, <laughs> one thing that led me to believe that baseball wasn't going to be in my future. Yeah. But the next best one was when the following year when I was out in center field and uh, you know, nothing's coming out to center field when you're nine years old and <laughs> this one high fly comes out. It was my chance to finally do something. And, you know, I don't know what was going, you know, I was probably just thinking about dance out there and, you know, swatting flies and uh, the ball comes out and I go to jump and catch it, but I do what's called in dance, uh, a tour jeté, which is a very, you know, I, you know, it's a jump in the air. It, it's, it's a ballet. It's jump. beautiful. 
Oh, yeah, it's a very beautiful, graceful yeah. jump where you jump in the air and you kick one foot forward and you spin, you do a 180, and then you land on the opposite foot and you're, and the opposite leg is an uh, arabesque, which, you know, which is outwards. And, um, and you, you know, never I, see I, it on a baseball field. No, you don't see this no. on a baseball field at all. But let alone I caught the ball <laughs> while doing this. And the whole, you know, the crowd is going crazy. You know, <laughs> it's this big thing. I'm thinking, holy crap, I still caught the ball. Why did I just jump like that? What happened? But um, <laughs> if my dad's there in the uh, in the crowd and the guy next to him just goes, holy shit, it looked like that guy was out there doing ballet. And wow. my dad turns to him and goes, yeah, he does. <laughs> and so <laughs> my parents were always there and they always supported me, even when I quit baseball that year to pursue my love for dancing um you know my mother took me to every single rehearsal in montclair which was about a 45 to an hour drive mm. in traffic you know drove me up and down once a week you know my father you know both my parents were at every single performance my you know and my grandmother my aunts and uncles they were all there too family so was my there. family yeah all of my family was there so they knew that this is what i wanted to do well that's awesome that it, you know your dad could have very much been a like this is a disappointment. I was going to, you know, relive my glory days through my son and right. he stood by what you cared about. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, versus the other extreme of like, you know, show business hovering parents that are right. I, I, I was right. just at a, a conference and there was also um, a child beauty pageant going on. And oh, so those I, are. Whew. yeah. And I, I was, whole world. I was expecting there to be reality TV cameras around because of what I was watching. I was like, this must be oh, fake, but like, that's just, a, right. you know, it's another scene. So it could have been either extreme and your parents sound like they were nicely balanced in the middle. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, I mean, you know, like, don't get me wrong, like, but once, once it was that this was what I wanted to do and, the, and it became very evident that I wanted to have a career in the arts, my parents did what they could to support me and, find classes for me in new york city that would cater to that so that you know i you know after 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 a day of school you know i would be in new york city and i would be studying you know an acting class or yeah. a singing class or something like that so so they pushed me when it when it was that when i said this is what i want to do how can i how can i get a better education on it so there was that you know that drive and motivation yeah so, so take us forward. Yeah. So, uh, middle school was a time where I was able to explore the world of musical theater, that it wasn't just dance anymore, that you can be on stage and you can sing, act and dance. And so I never really took a singing lesson, but I used to, you know, sing songs in the car here and there. And I auditioned, um, for Annie, get your gun. And I got in as little Jake and, um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was, it was an exciting part. It was an exciting time to be a sixth, to be a sixth grader in the, uh, in the school musical. Um, so I did that for the next three years, all the way through eighth grade in high school, you know, you everyone's kind of finding themselves and figuring out who they are and what they want to do for the rest of it, you know, for the rest of their lives. Um, I'm a big musician as well. I play the drums, guitar, piano saxophone i you know i sing as well um so i was involved in the marching band i was uh in the drum line i played the snare drum um and actually my freshman year of high school i stopped 
dancing at the dance at my dance studio. Wow. Um, but I continued to dance with the professional company, which was once a week. So okay. I kept up with my tap dancing, but I but I left the school so I could play more music. And then when I got around after my junior year going into senior year, I left the marching band so that I could pursue more theater. Um, because at that point I was, you know, I was taking my SATs. I was really focusing on what I wanted to go to college for, and that was going to be musical theater. So I started the audition process and the application process. And, and when you apply to school as a musical theater major, it's, it's a two part process, sometimes three. There's, there's your, you know, your formal, you know, your typical application to college. You know, you fill that out, you, you write your essay, you know, your transcripts are there, your letters of recommendation, all of that. You know, sometimes you go through the interview process um, as well, but then there's the part of the um, application process that not a lot of other students typically, typically go through when, when you're applying to college. This process was the audition process where I had to sing, dance and act and have an interview and do, you know, music theory tests and vocal tests and sight singing tests. Um, you know, so 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 you so you're learning, you know, a dance combination. You go in with a couple songs prepared, you go in with a couple monologues prepared. Um, and it's an it, it's a whole day, you know, ordeal. And then it's a waiting game to find out if you actually got in. So I did that like three or four different times, three or four different times around New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. And uh, there was a school in particular that I really wanted to go to, and that was Montclair State University. Uh, I wanted to go to Montclair because it was very close to New York City um, without actually being in the city. Um, and I wanted to have that uh, liberal arts college education and that campus feel. Mm -hmm. uh, the other reason I wanted to go was because uh, my tap company was in Montclair. So I basically grew up. It worked out. Yeah, I, I, you know, I grew up in this city and it was it, it was it was I wanted to be there. Um, and the third reason was that they had a very new tap program and our uh, the director, Clay James, was a phenomenal tap dancer. And I, that that very much appealed to me. So um, I auditioned there. I got in and I had a great first year. And you were what, eighteen at the time? Yeah, I was eighteen. And that and from that moment on, I was never sitting <laughs> I was never sitting the fence. Yeah. I was always accounted for when it came down to who had to go where and who can we utilize in the show. Which was a really awesome thing because now I was I was doing something that, you know, not everybody else was having the experience to do and I was I was learning, you know you know, all about, you know, the different aspects of, you know, how the ensemble works in a show. You know, it's not just about principal roles. Um, so first year was awesome. And then I went down to Miami to do uh, really exciting stuff. And then I came back my second year and I was cast in a couple different shows. And here's where all everything starts to take a turn. Yeah. I felt a pain in my right leg and I thought I had just fractured it from dancing or, you know, ballet class or something. And um, I have a, uh, an x-ray taken, and my doctor says that he wants me to go to Sloan Kettering in New York to have this looked at by a specialist. And, you know, immediately, uh, immediately you hear Sloan Kettering and you think yeah. cancer. Yeah. You know, that, that's it. You know, you're like, I'm going to a hospital that specializes in cancer. Yeah, and I mean, you must think I have cancer. Yeah, cancer's in and, their name. You, right, know what, you right. know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
And I spoke with an orthopedic surgeon and he said, just based off of the x-rays, he wants to, you know, do a biopsy tomorrow. And I said, you know, you know, I'm in a show right now. I can't really take time off. And he said, oh, you can't take time off. Well, what if you have cancer? You know, you know, are you going to take time off, you know, to kind of postpone a diagnosis of cancer to get through a show? You know, you, you don't you don't mess around with these kind of things. This is cancer we're talking about. So I said, OK, fine. So I had to I had the biopsy done. And then sure enough, it came back that I had cancer and I was diagnosed with osteosarcoma which is bone cancer, uh, in my right tibia, uh, which is the shin bone. So uh, lots of things swirled through my head at that moment. And, you know, I had to take the time off of school. I had to leave that show. Uh, and now the only thing that I was focusing on was surviving and beating this. So the first, you know, uh, the necessary steps that had to be taken were we needed to operate immediately and um you know being a being a being a tap dancer you know a dancer of all aspects i did not want to jeopardize anything that could take away from that yeah so every surgery that we had that that we that we uh spoke about in the beginning was all about how to um salvage my salvage both legs because you we had to take bone out of the left leg to put into the right leg where the cancer was. And we didn't want to take muscle out of the left leg uh, to nourish that area because too much, you know, we didn't want it to, 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 to jeopardize my dancing. So Evan was, so, was that, we, can I, can that? I just ask, was that on your desire or was that, was that the plan from the start? So were they pushing you down a different route and you wanted to, to well, go? We, well, we had, we had, we had a lot of different options and right now ampute and, and at the time amputation was never um, on the table. Okay. Um, there were, there were ways to save, uh, to save my leg. And um, we had spoken about cadaver bones and we had spoken about um, uh, uh, taking bones out of my body. Well, what we did is, is we took the left fibula out of my left leg and we put it in my right leg and um, they basically inserted it into the tibia bone where the cancer was. They got rid of the cancer and because it was my body's own bone, um, it would, and, and it was using my own blood supply. Yeah, it's no rejection issue. Grow, right. Yeah. It would eventually grow to become a tibia. So they, so they was, took the whole bone out or a piece they of They took the whole fibula bone out of my left leg. So, so I you, now just have one bone in my I was leg. just going to ask, so you don't have a fibula in your left leg. Right, right. Wow. Right. So we're talking about all this. Then there was a blood clot in my right leg and we had to open everything up and kind of figure out where we were going now with this. And uh, the logical um, steps were that we were going to take um, some lat muscle from my back and run it alongside my thigh through my calf and use that as uh, uh, muscle so that there could be uh, uh, blood flow and circulation. So that all worked. Uh, I, I spent 33 days in the hospital and I made it home for uh, Christmas. And, it's, and this was Christmas 2009. It was right about to be New Year's 2010. So I was able to go home. Uh, my parents were there every day. My mom spent every night with me. So 33 days straight, how many operations was this? 33 days and I had a total of four 
operations. Five and, five operations in thirty three days. And these are, I mean, nothing you've described sounds trivial oh, by any stretch. These are major. Oh yeah. Oh oh, absolutely. I mean, these. I yeah, these are major to the point where every time I had to do one, I had to get a catheter. And you know, yeah. Now I've had how many times I've had a catheter. You know how painful that is yeah. in itself. <laughs> so. And that is just, I mean, the shock to the body on right. top of right. fighting Absolutely. cancer. That's right. a, and, yeah. and, then, and then you're, you know, you're hooked up to IV fluids and you're on pain medicine. And, you know, there's all these neurological things that are happening because of all those pain meds and trying to get off of them. And, but yeah. also trying to stay on them so that you're not in pain. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. So it's, you know, it's not just like, you know, you're kind of sitting in bed for 33 days, and, you know, you're kind of just hanging out and, and, and you, and you got a day off. Yeah. You know, you're having, having major surgeries. And that, you're not, you're not walking at this time right. at all. I mean, you've right. got yeah. a bone missing from one ball, leg and but, yeah. yeah, your body's, you know, atrophying. Yeah. Lots of things are, you know, when I finally got out of the hospital and I was starting to walk on crutches, um, so I had this large metal external fixator on my leg that kind of looked like a halo that people have on their head, and it was holding all of the bones in place. So I couldn't put any weight on my leg whatsoever. Yeah. So, you know, from spending all that time in the hospital, tendons and ligaments tighten up, things that you don't even think of. And I couldn't, you know, my left foot was almost in in like in a pointed position. And it took about it took a good week or two after being home to actually be able to bear weight on my foot and use crutches and to actually lay it flat on the floor. Wow. I was almost I was almost walking on my tippy toes for uh, for a while. I can imagine how excruciatingly painful the PT oh, yeah. process was just to get to that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean we we held off on PT for about for about two and a half months just because there you know we had to let my body yeah, recover. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, recover. Um, so now I'm home. 2010, it's great. Started PT, like I said, you know, in March. Um, I'm getting stronger. You know, my muscles are coming back. Everything is moving forward. From that time, from when I got out of the hospital to May 10th, I had about three, four other surgeries. What I have, uh, yeah. Yeah, three other surgeries. So just the kind of like, just the kind of very minimal, like overnight stays, nothing big, same day surgery type things to uh, to keep everything clean, to shave the bone, to make sure everything was, um, you know, growing in my leg. Um, then I had this one operation that um, the doctors were going to take some hip bone and they were going to put it into my right leg because hip bone is very lively, as they said. Oh, and they were taking off the external fixator. I could, I was so happy because for months and months, all I wore uh, uh, was one pair of big baggy sweatpants because I was, I was, you know, I was self-conscious. I, you know, I was, I was embarrassed of this thing. I didn't want anyone to see my leg. Yeah. And um, it was coming off. I was, I've been waiting for this day forever. And uh, I woke up from that operation and I, it was gone but something I knew something was off because my hip felt totally fine. It didn't feel, you know, there was no pressure or pain or anything. It didn't feel post-operative. So, right, yeah. right. And, and my, I woke up and my doctor came to me and he said, Evan, you know, 
I'm very sorry to tell you this, but your cancer has come back. And um, we will discuss tomorrow what steps we need to take uh, in order to save your life. So I kind of just, you know, I, I, I just woken up from surgery, so I couldn't yeah. really comprehend what was happening. But, you know, everything was okay. And for me, at least. And then we had the big conversation the next day. And that's when everything was not okay. And why was everything okay for you in that in that first moment? Was it were you just not even thinking about the yeah, gravity I, yeah. of things? Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I really wasn't. I, you know, I think I think the idea of the fix that are being off, and for me to have my life back, you know, for me to be able to wear a pair of jeans again, yeah, you know, was my big thing, and and having that normalcy in my life again, I I didn't, you know, and I and I just kind of. I was thinking, okay, so we have to do something else. Let's just see what it is, you know? Yeah. You know, there was no sense of the gravity of things yet. Right, right. You know, yeah, they're world class surgeons. They're able to, you know, um, you know, make miracles happen and and let's see what they can come up with. You know, I'm excited, you know, this is off. This is off my leg. You know, so I'm excited about that and I'm and and as much as as a terrible thing to hear that your cancer has come back, you know, I know that I'm at the right place where where they can, where they can do something. So you never had this fear of your mortality. No, no. Oh well. Yeah. No, I did. I, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, maybe in fleeting moments, but on the whole, I mean, even going back to the first moment when you heard the news initially, and your response was, you know, I, I, I can't do that tomorrow. I have, I have to dance. It's like where some people would be like, you know, oh my God, do something right now. Why do we have to wait till tomorrow? Right. Right. There's, there's a, um, maybe it's optimism. Maybe it's hopefulness. Maybe it's strength or all of the above. Yeah. So the next day comes. Yeah. So, so, so the next day comes and this is where, this is where it all hits and this is where it happens that now we're saying, you know, we're, we're talking about what, what we need to do. And, um, uh, you know, now the only thing left to do to save my life is to amputate my right leg above the knee. And there's a couple different options that we can do with this. And one of them was to do what's called a rotation plasty where my foot was okay. So they could take my right foot and they could spin it backwards and they could attach it to the end of my residual limb and it could be used as a functional knee, which would be great. Um, However, I didn't want to do that. Uh, it it just wasn't for me. It it didn't seem like it was a a thing that I wanted to do. Um, so now I'm now I'm 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 angry. <laughs> I'm upset. Yeah. And now we've gone through seven months of surgery, and now you know everything is you know it's me just feeling like what is this? Is it garbage? Is it trash? Is it is it useless? Everything that I just endured and everything that I went through, what was it for? When. Yeah. When now you're saying that, like, okay, we have done everything that we can do, but sorry, we're going to cut your leg off now. And, you know, you have, you know, you have to kind of, yeah, you got to give yourself a moment to be upset and to be mad about it and to know that, you know, this, this sucks. This really sucks. Was it, was it more about the, the seven months that had gone by and what you endured or was it more about the going forward? Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it it was both. It was both. It was thinking about, you know, what I went through and how much, how much time I have, 
given up to do this. Yeah. And, and, you know, all the pain, you know, the physical pain, not just the emotional and mental, you know, no, you know, all of that, but the physical pain that I have been in from this and, and, and then the amounts of not being able to sleep at night and just the wear of, on my body, um, of what that was. And now saying that, well, we're going to cut your leg off. <laughs> we're going to amputate your leg. You know, I'm, I'm making it sound a lot more dry <laughs> than, yeah. than what it was, but that, but that's, that's how I saw it in my head. You know, this is why I was mad because, you know, I'm thinking about it and I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Like we're really going to, we're really going to go down this road and I'm going to live the rest of my life with a missing leg, let alone have to, I don't even know what the next part of this battle is. You know, where are yeah. we going from here? Like my cancer is back and the leg is gone. And is that it? I, I don't know. So, um, you know, now, I, now in this four hour conversation that we had about this bedside, um, uh, I thought back about my training and my education of being a tap dancer and something, you know, a video that my tap teacher showed me when I was 16. And that was of a tap dancer named Pegleg Bates. His name was Clayton, Clayton Pegleg Bates. And he lost his leg in a contingent accident at the age of 12. And um, he taught himself how to tap dance with a peg leg. Um, we, had, we were watching footage of him on the Ed Sullivan show. And, you know, at the time, I never thought that he would serve as a role model to me to continue tap dancing. But it was now in this moment at age 19 that it all came full circle. And that I said to my doctor, I promise you I'm going to tap dance again. And he said, I promise you, I'll be there in the front row. And he shook my hand and he vowed to save my life. So on May 21st, I had my right leg amputated above the knee. And I said, goodbye. It's been a great 19 years with you. I am on to new endeavors. Um, I... Uh, I was excited to start this next chapter. I was excited about the technology of prosthetics and, and what was available. Um, you know, all, you know, all because of, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, the, the technology, um, um, really what was real, was really kickstarted from the Gulf war. And, you know, you, you had lots of amputees and also in, in the, in the, you know, in the recent, you know, past wars and I guess current war, if it's still going on, uh, you know, after 9-11, um, uh, we saw a huge jump in, uh, in technology with prosthetics and microprocessor knees. And the whole idea was to provide these legs that, that soldiers, you know, uh, soldiers would come back. Um, and you know, they, if they had an amputation, the idea was to get back into, um, you know, to get back into the military in some way. And so they wanted these legs to be so advanced. And then they were allowing civilians to uh, utilize this technology so that they could go back to doing everything it is that they wanted to do. So I was ready for this. Um, and I was excited about it. And then my final pathology report came back on, on my 20 pound leg. <laughs> that, you know, that's how much a leg weighs. <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. You shouldn't, but, know. Uh, 
yeah but it it comes back and um you know it it's just it's just a nightmare now because now they're saying that i have high grade osteosarcoma which is almost like the equivalent of you know stage 4 stage 5 lung cancer when you hear about you know different stages and because of that i have to go through chemotherapy and because it was high grade now there's a possibility that the cancer had spread to my lungs so I had to now not only deal with the loss of my leg, but I had to deal with going through chemotherapy. And now I have to look at myself every day in the mirror and not only see myself missing a leg, but I have to see myself completely waste, like wasted away, you know, no hair, sunken in eyes. You know, my eyes are brown. My skin is discolored. Uh, my body is just reacting to things in, in, an, in an incredibly negative way way in in ways that my doctors have never seen you know chemotherapy take its toll on a patient and um you know the whole time it was like how am i going to get through this and what can i do to just get this off my mind and it was go back to school it was to be it was to be a student to have that normalcy in your life to try and you know keep up with your friends and have your friends just treat you the way you, you know, the, uh, uh, the way you left off with them before cancer. And that's what they did. I just, um, I, I gotta, I gotta pause on this for a minute. Cause there's, yeah. there's so much in this, this piece of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to cut you off, but so you, yeah. you're the way that you were talking about going forward and being excited and focusing on the technology. Right. I like that's mind boggling to me. I don't think most people in this world could have possibly looked at that. And it doesn't mean they couldn't have gotten there eventually, but preemptively that's such a signal to me of, yeah, it it was, it was, it was, I remember the day that I found out that I had to have my leg amputated. I went home and so I, I had just, you know, I had just got myself a new car and um, I was really excited about it because it was this like really cool two seater sports car. And, uh, and I drive stick shift. Um, And it was like my IV cancer gift. And like the one thing I was like, I am not giving this car back. This thing is awesome. Like, this is me. And I went home and I got on YouTube and I just, you know, I was like, you know, someone's got to be doing it. And so I looked up amputee driving manual transmission. Did you find Alex Zanardi? What's that? Did you find Alex Zanardi? I didn't. Do you know who he is? I don't. I I don't. I don't know who he is. He's a race car driver. Oh, he's who a ra- okay. Oh, okay. Lost his legs in a crash and drive. He drove after that. He actually won in London the Paralympics in the uh, yeah. wheelchair race. Okay. I I think I think I've heard of him now. Now that, now that you're seeing, he's yeah. a race car. So he drives driver. with with dual prosthetics. Yeah. Yeah. I so I found a guy who who also was bilateral. He had two prosthetics and he was driving completely unmodified manual transmission. I said, well, if he could do it with two legs, I'm going to do it with one leg. And so that was the whole like, okay, this is the leg that I want. Like this is the, this is the best leg right now on the market. I have to have it so that I could drive my car. And so, you know, I held out for that and I got the leg and I taught myself how to drive stick shift again you know, completely unmodified. Uh, I still do it. Now, now I drive like a crazy race car. That's like, you know, super loud and <laughs> like an actual race car too. So who knows, maybe one day I'll be in, in, in the races yeah. as well. Uh, that That's another, that, that's later in my life. We'll see. I, I have, I have, a, I have other goals right now, but 
um, you know, you know, yeah, you know, that that's that's the technology that's available, you know, to be able to walk up and down stairs, step over step to, you know, you know, my my new leg is completely waterproof. I can go in the ocean. I can take showers with it, you know, just quickly, you know, rinse myself off as opposed to having, you know, take my leg off, get on, you know, use my crutches, get in the shower, sit in the tub or something, sit in the shower. You know, that whole process that I had to do for years, you know, yeah. when I was first starting out. Now I have, you know, this super advanced leg. Um, but, you know, technology is just going to keep getting more and more advanced. So I'm excited to see where prosthetics go. But um, yeah, going, going back to school was definitely one of the big things for me, even though my doctor said that I shouldn't do it. I, my response to them was, well, I already registered. So I took on a full load of classes. I was a full-time student at 14 and a half credits and I was going through chemotherapy and, and I was, chemotherapy after you had been through the seven months you'd been through where your body was, it's not like you were starting from, you know, right, the height right, of your uh, physical yeah. fitness as a dancer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, oh, I was like, I mean, I had done physical therapy for a couple months, but it was nothing, you know, like not being able to walk and just using crutches every day, you know, it, it, it takes its toll on you. So well, it wasn't like the I was healing. Yeah. I mean, the, the healing process from the surgeries, your body's metabolizing itself just to recover. Right. So you're, you're right. wasting from that as well. I mean, that's right. it, yeah. the, the, um, the atrophy is not just about not using your muscles. It's that your body's consuming itself just yeah. to, to regenerate the tissue. Right. Right. So I, uh, I got back to school and basically what I, you know, my teachers just said, look, when you're here, you're here when you're not, you're not. And that it, and it is what it is. You know, you have another fight to be fighting and it's not to be fighting us with grades or homework or, you know, class participation, just be here. Just when you're here in class, just be here, sit here. You know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, you know, nag on you or, you know, be upset with you for not writing a paper or anything. So they did what they could to keep me there. And, you know, and it wasn't, and I worked, I did. <laughs> I was memorizing lines. I did a whole musical. I got cast in Sweet Charity in, in an actual part <laughs> as, as a principal role. And uh, I had a song and I had to get chemo during the day sometimes. And then at night go perform. Um, wow. I had, I had a, I, I had a frontal lung thoracotomy uh, to see if the cancer had spread to my lungs. And unfortunately it did. And because they found some tumors on the left side, they had to go in on the right side and they found some more. And so uh, I had two uh, frontal lung thoracotomies. And uh, because of that, I had to go through an additional uh, nine months of chemotherapy. So I went through 16 months total of chemo. I don't know how many rounds that is. Everyone talks about chemotherapy as rounds, and I don't know what a round is still to this day. All I know is on a Monday, I used to go and I used to get chemo. And by Thursday, I was out of the hospital. I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, and I would start the same process again. And I would do that for three weeks in a row. And then sometimes I would get two weeks off where I'd be in the hospital. Or sometimes what was happening is that they were modifying my schedule completely because of terrible, ter terrible side effects. So sometimes I'd get a week, I'd have a week off, then I'd get a week, then I'd have a week off, and I'd get a week and I'd have two weeks off. So I couldn't tell you how many rounds it actually was, but it was a long time. 
<laughs> it was a long time to be going through this, uh, just about every day. Yeah. And I finished chemo in October of 2011. It was just about, it was two years exactly that I was going through this entire thing. And that's when I said, Hey, all right, it's time to tap dance. Let's see what we can do. We know what Peg Leg Bates is doing. And now, you know, let's, I want to pay tribute to him and let's make it modern. So I had a, I had a very simple peg leg made up for me. And I got myself back into a studio and I just retaught myself how to tap dance again. And, you know, one thing led to another and, um, you know, interviews started happening and, you know, Dance Spirit magazine. Um, I started to travel uh, around the country and perform at different tap festivals, um, which was really exciting. And then um, one thing led to another and I, you know, I landed a uh, I landed a guest appearance performance on the ellen show um oh. yeah Alan Burbank, she loves to dance she does she yeah. does it was great yeah back in 2013 um but you know my my one true love was musical theater and it was you know i was about to graduate college uh, i did it in 20 uh it was it january 2014 i finished my last class in 2013 and the day that I finished my last class, I had a performance in New York City at a nightclub called 54 Below. Of course you did. Yeah. Because you, you just, wouldn't have it any other way. You would be, right. You know, it yeah. just happened. It just happened that way. Um, and I got there and, uh, you know, it was a big it was a big celebration. It was a big thing. Uh, it included it included a lot of Tony Award winners. and Wow. Uh, different some really high profile performers. And um uh, you know, it, it was just, it was that was it. I was making my mark in New York City, and uh, I was ready to you know take on the, you know this next part of the chapter and the story. And it had its ups and downs. And you know, for a long time, you know, I only was viewed as a one-legged tap dancer. And yeah. uh, you know, it 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 may only be part of the video that you happen to see of me. And you know, it it you know a lot of the a lot of the story kind of gets pushed aside and you know there's a lot more than just uh, uh the tap dancing that i'm proud of and um you know I, I i found myself in pittsburgh uh you know auditioning for musicals out there with a company called pittsburgh clo and um you know it got me my equity card which is like the holy grail of of, of musical theater it's you know once you get your equity card you are now a union actor you know you have a union behind you okay and so, and so you're covered and um you know you can go to the you know you can start going to the to those real auditions that'll get you you know on broadway and um you know i owe a lot to them i owe a lot to a transcendence theater company out in sonoma california who allowed me to really craft my um really craft my uh, my skills and and my art as you know you know to find myself as an artist and to find what i want to do as a performer and how to you know and how to get there um and allow me to uh dance and sing and act but to do it in a in a way that i could you know you know take a pop song for instance and you know break it up and put dance breaks in it and you know really show off what it is that that i do in in the best way possible which then was able to help me craft my own um, show with my band. Uh, we're called Evan and the Seven Legs, and that's spelled Evan and the Seven S apostrophe E V A N, because between the four of us we have seven legs. So, yeah. you know, just 
you know, fun play on words, but, um, you know, we're, we're about to have our 11th show now at that nightclub 54 below. Yeah. And that'll be on July 6th, 2018, which we're looking forward to, but, um, you know, I was able, I was able to, uh, really kind of utilize a, you know, a band and, 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 you know, put a spin on things of pop music and, and popular Broadway songs, as well as uh, my own original music. We did that. And then uh, I made my way to New York City with a with a hit off Broadway musical called Bastard Jones. And, um, you know, we really kind of stirred things up over the summer, um, you know, because the story was about Tom Jones. It was about mm-hmm. Hen- it was about the history of Tom Jones, uh, a foundling by Henry Fielding. So it took place in seventeen in the seventeen hundreds in uh, in in London, and he's kind of a nuisance to the town. And um, you know his stepbrother and and uh, one of the uh, uh, the bishop kind of kind of plot against him to to banish him. His brother you know comes up with this lie and says, "Look, father banished you. Get the hell out of town. You know you're not like us. You're different. We don't want you." goodbye and he's off to find his way in the land um but you know it's this interesting the the concept the idea that we had was that you know nobody should feel turned away because of adversity because they're different and so the creative team thought well we should play into you know we should play into uh uh, american culture and 20 percent of all americans have a disability so i want this cast to look like America, even though even though it takes place in in London, um, you know, you know, I, I want two percent of this cast, you know, you know, 20 percent of the cast to have a disability. So out of the nine, you know, 10 of us, two of us were disabled. And and the idea that Tom Jones is, um, you know, shunned and, and banished for being different was perfect because, you know, here I am as an actor with a disability. I have one leg. And it's saying that, you know, just because you're different doesn't mean that, you know, you can't triumph through that uh, adversity. Yeah. So, you know, what better way to have Tom Jones be an actor with a disability? And here I am super excited to play a role, you know, for a guy who, you know, he has two legs, you know, and, and it was just it was just it was just a an incredible demonstration of what true inclusion in the arts is about. You know, it's not about throwing disabled actors a bone. You know, it's not about, you know, saying, look, this part's disabled, so we need a disabled guy. It's about, you know, it's really and and that and that is true, you know, as well. You know, I believe that if if there's a role that calls for, you know, if the character is disabled and there are actors who are ready, willing and able to play that, you know, they should be cast in that role. But at the same time you have actors who are disabled, you know, who are amputees, who have cerebral palsy, any sort of disability, um, blind, who can play roles that don't have to have disability in them. And that was a, that, that, that was what was most, that, that was the most incredible thing to see happen with Bastard Jones. Um, so we caused quite a stir. Yeah. And it was a hit over the summer. Uh, it got me a nomination for a Clive Barnes Award, which uh, I won. I, I won it. And I, I think I became the first amputee to win that. I, I don't know. I, I looked up the, the other winners and they're actually all written out on there, which is pretty exciting. So 
very excited about that. That's fantastic. That, 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 yeah, you know, that's a huge thing in New York City to be accepted. You know, to be uh, you know to uh, to uh, receive that award. And well, I was going to uh, say for people who don't know what it is, explain what the Clive Barnes Award means. Yeah, the Clive Barnes Award uh, is uh, is awarded to uh, to uh, to young actors in New York City for uh, you know for for their work and and for their you know with with the with the hope, you know, for their future work that, that they will, um, you know, be able to make a, to make a difference in, in, uh, in the, in the theater world, in, in the, in the, sh in showbiz in New York city. Um, you know, it's, it's about, you know, it's, it, it was really about, for me, it was, you know, like I said, that, that triumph through adversity and, and that, and that recognition that, okay, like someone gave me a shot to show them what I can do. And somebody, else saw that you know i wasn't just you know you know it, it, it's it's not it's not a pity party you know i don't want i don't want people to you know show me any pity or or, or to feel bad for me i like i i am very proud that i was you know i i was treated as you know as every other actor you know in new york city it is a big city and you are a very small part of that when you're an actor you know there's yeah. a million people who are all gunning for this and and my competition you know mike you know uh, uh the the other actress who was nominated was my co-star you know we were in the show together yeah. and she is phenomenal she has broadway credits you know she's incredible the other girl another one who was on broadway you know and here i am kind of just like wow this is this is a big deal <laughs> you know this is this is almost like a tony award here you know, so I was very, I was very honored to to receive that award, and I was very happy that now, you know, somebody wasn't just saying, "Well, it sucked what you went through." It, you know, it sucks what you went through, and you came out, you know, you know, a one-legged tap dancer. Good job. Yeah. You know, it was like it was all that hard work, you know, while I went through chemo to go back to school and to perform, and to keep going. And to, you know, and to study with my teachers and, you know, to, to, to bust my ass around the, around the world and, you know, figuring out what it is, what I wanted to do all led up to that moment to say, here's, you know, we see you, you know, we see what you're doing and we're proud of what you're doing and you're going to make a difference in this community. And here's a Clive Barnes award. For yeah. That. So, I mean, this, I mean, this to me is, it's a good way to sort of pull together when, if people see one of the many videos about you on YouTube or maybe caught mm -hmm. you on, on Ellen or, you know, have heard your story, the focus is it's either on your right leg and, and right. then it's not there. Or for me, I'm even wondering, like, I feel like the unsug heroes, the left leg and, you know, it's only missing a bone and, and having watched yeah. you dance, I'm like, I would never have thought that. That's amazing. To right. Me. Um, right. but that's, when, when we talked before the recording, it's like your story is not just about the amputation and the fact that you came back right. and, and you're still dancing despite that and, and having success in it. It's the fact that also the world that you were passionate about and saw your calling in and pursued is mm -hmm. incredible. Like being in that world in and of itself is a huge struggle and battle. And so many people yeah. either are turned away or turn themselves away because of that struggle. And so here are two pretty extreme situations where you have chosen, and, and I use that word on purpose, chosen not to get crushed by it and to rise up and right. to achieve and to keep going despite, I mean, look, the, the two years physically of what you went through and the amount of times that you were given bad news or mm -hmm. endured 
some some really terrible things right. th- that's that's enough but i don't know if you're a glutton for punishment but you keep going back to this world where success is is really hard to come by for anyone <laughs> oh yeah and i so, mean just this week with auditions and trying to work i heard about I don't know, like three no's. <laughs> That's what it is. You know, it's every day you just go out there and you get told no. Yeah. I mean, and then sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll get it. And and sometimes it has nothing to do with 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 your talent or, or what you bring to the table. You know, it's, it's all about, you know, it could just be, well, that guy just looks better or, you know, you know, he knows this one or he's going to bring us in X amount of sales yeah. because he has 15 million followers. You know, yeah. welcome to, you know, the world of what year is it? 2018. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With social networking and how much that plays in, into a lot. Yeah. I mean, but, so that's uh, where, you know, I'm trying to, to distill from, you know, w- the focus is, is on the amputation and everything right. you went through with that. But there's so much more about how you've persevered and, and I'm trying to distill what is the driver of that. And when, you know, we talked before and it was, you know, something in your spirit and your, like, you know, that's why I asked about this sense of, or this fear that you were going to die and that that was never front and center for you. Mm -hmm. And of course there are dark moments and there's moments where people are telling you that's a very real possibility, but you still, you still pushed on and, you know, even like, that feeling of excitement about the technology instead of wallowing in the pain. Um, you know, is it, is it something innate or actually are you so passionate about what you care about that the motivation that, that comes from that is like, look, these, there will always be things in my way, great and small. And if I care about what I'm doing, that's always worth pushing through. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean that, that literally hits the nail on the head. It's that, it it is that motivation and that drive and there are so many things that i have yet to accomplish that i have you know i haven't checked those boxes and yeah. they're 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 left unchecked and they're going to i'm going to continue to work towards them you know i i want to make 2018 the year that i'm on broadway that's it you know it's got to happen and if it happens this year we're getting back on and we're going to do a special and say hey I'm on Broadway now. Yeah. Look, look at this. Look, look what happened. Well, if, you if know? that's what happens in 2018, I will get myself to New York and I, I, I'm guessing your surgeon is still going to be in the front row. So maybe I can sit behind him. Yeah. Oh, you know, what's funny is, is it took him about five, six years to finally see me dance in person, <laughs> you know? And then finally, finally he was being, so he, I, I, um, I'm a part of this organization called the Sarcoma Foundation of America. And, uh, you know, they they award, uh, you know, young survivors and fighters uh, with the Courage Award, you know, once a year. And so in 2014, I was awarded with the Courage Award. And in 2016, my surgeon was awarded with uh, with, with the with the uh, with the um, uh, Nobility in Science Award th- through this organization. And uh, they had me, you know, host and, you know, kick off the night and. You know, I, you know, I made a joke to him. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, Hey, Dr. Healy, you know, how you doing over there? You know, we're all here to honor you tonight. You know, it's been quite a while since, you know, we've seen each other, you know, you know, I, I only see you once a year now for, you know, for our annual checkup. But, uh, you know, when I was about to have my leg amputated, you know, you, you said that you'd be there, 
in the front row see me tap dancing and it's been about been about six years man what the hell took you so long yeah you finally if you're finally here you know and you know he of course laughed and everyone went up and you know kind of gas yeah yeah and then i started and you know he was he was the first one out on the dance floor so you know he was very proud of me yep yeah i mean it's such a testament to mm-hmm. to what he, what he was able to do as well and and yeah. um yeah, you know, I I always wonder about doctors in that space where, you know, mortality is a very real thing that they face right. on a regular yeah. basis, despite some Herculean efforts. And you know, it, what's their coping mechanism, and what keeps them yeah. fighting through? And is it is it about you know, I I've, I've had surgery fifteen times, not any of them anywhere near any of what you've gone through. But mm-hmm. there's there's some surgeons who really stand out, and it's the ones who are really human, and most of them are actually a lot colder. And I, I just, I wonder if that's like when you deal with, with death that much, if you right. almost have to detach a bit, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's very interesting because I, I mean, just, you know, knowing him and knowing him as, as a doctor, like when I have checkups, you know, and, and from when I was going through everything, he was very serious. He, I mean, he's a very serious person. And then, you know, knowing him now, after everything that we've been through and now, you know, life moving forward, you know, he's different relationship now. Yeah. Very different relationship. Yeah. Very different. And I mean, I, I think he, you know, and I think that's just, that's how he has to be, you know, he can't, you know, he can't, he can't get, you know, too, he can't, he can't let his emotions get, you know, in the way of, of his job and and in the way of, you know, saving a life possibly, or, not being able to save a life and you know it's so interesting now you know having you know having that relationship with him and you know him being my doctor and someone who saved my life and you know gave me a second chance to do everything and more that uh you know we 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 have a different way of looking at things now yeah yeah well evan it's uh to call it a beautiful story is it's it's almost it's not enough and it's the wrong word in a lot of other ways because this is a story that is filled with in a, a level of pain and suffering that no human should have to endure and talking to you it's really hard to like i i don't and, and this is why i think you know for my son to be so inspired like it's hard to realize like what this guy went through is beyond what you could ever imagine because you you don't you don't seem to be filled with that you don't seem to be filled with regret and anger and pain. And, and yeah, it's been a few years, but it hasn't been 20. Right. And it, I just, that to me is a great source of inspiration in getting to know you a bit is there's a sense of possibility and, a, and it being worthwhile to continue to push through regardless of what you're facing. Because like you said, you still have boxes you want to check off. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's the thing. And those are the things that keep me going every day. You know, and, you know, I'm about to take on a new endeavor of living in New York City. And what is that going to bring as an yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, you know. Well, what about having a car in New York City? That that could even oh, be hard. Are you, are you going to no, are you gonna have your car there? Or no? I can't do it. I have to garage it. Oh, I have to garage my car. That is a that is a whole other level of suffering that. I know, yeah, it's I not know, worth it. I know, and 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 basically succumbing to the MTA. Yeah, 
uh, and the subway. Which so. is, I mean, that's another thing is, you know, just w- one more thing to deal with that. Right, right, right. You, so you were telling me, um, I feel I keep referencing our conversation before recording, but when you were telling me about, you know, all the things that you have to think about that you wouldn't have had to otherwise. And when you're like, <laughs> You're in the middle of an airport in Ohio or whatever, and you don't have your charger for your leg. And yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And your leg dies. Yeah, yeah no. your charger yeah. for your leg. Like that's not a problem that people would think about. Right, right. And you know, I'm running across Charlotte Airport, which yeah. is the, the largest airport in in the country. And I make it, and I finally sit in my plane seat. And it's like I feel, I hear, like I feel the the vibrations, like it's it's letting you like, know. Up. Well, leg is dead. Thank God it died now and not while I was trying to walk across the airport. Would have facepalmed it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, like things like that. And just, you know, having having to take my leg off when I go to bed, having to put my leg on to start my day, and that my day is not really going to start until I put that leg on. Mm. That's it. You know, I just can't do a day of, like, cr- I mean, I can. I could do a day of crutches, but... I'm not doing anything that day. Yeah. On that day, it's it's home and it and it's not leaving, you know. And and it's computer and it's games and it's just relaxing. Yeah. On those days, every every other day, if things are gonna get done, the leg has to be on. And now it's on for like you know sixteen to eighteen hours, you know, of a day that I'm just going and I'm up early in the morning and I'm, you know, and it's on until one o'clock, two, three o'clock in the morning sometimes. Do you, do you not want it on sometimes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it gets, it gets frustrating. It, you feel it. I mean, I don't have a knee, so I actually have to, you know, my body has to voluntarily yeah. move this leg, even though it has computers in it, I still have to work different muscles mm-hmm. and I still have to get it into, you know, swing phase. And sometimes I, you know, you know, you get cuts and bruises from the socket and it, comes up pretty close to you know to the groin so there's lots of you know it's a whole other consideration yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. um i figure we could we could just keep talking i mean i i'm i'm yeah, loving yeah, this yeah. but so we you've got 54 below on july 6th how else can people see you yeah. find out what's going yeah. on keep you know keep yeah, up I on mean, yeah you could everyone can keep up with me um all of my social media handles are all um, at Lord underscore Pegleg. That's Lord Pegleg. That's awesome. So, Lord yeah. underscore Pegleg. Yeah. Yeah. So Lord the underscore and then Pegleg. Yeah. That's me. Awesome. And and I always post, you know, information about shows and updates and, you know, lots of different news and what's going to happen. And, you know, yeah. That's where I am. And you're that's active and responsive on there because that's how I got a hold of you. Yeah. 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 For the most part. That, there is there is one page, one page of mine that I'm not that active on that may have been the page that we met on. Oh. But it, it, it that may have been like my fan page. But at that point, I know a video had, you know, a video had just dropped. Right. So you were seeing stuff. Was, yeah. Everyone was kind of <laughs> like. So like, okay, 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 okay. I gotta be on this page for now. But yeah, I mean for I get the notifications. It all goes to my phone. Cool. Or my seven other Apple products that all do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So well, you know. Either way, I'm very thankful that you responded. It's uh it, we we actually so we had to reschedule and I have to say, um 
I talked to my son the next morning and he was like, how was it? I was like, Oh buddy, I didn't talk to him yet. And he was, he was like, um, kind of let down by me. Oh, (laughs) don't cut him. No, 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 it's fine. So, uh, you know, well, you have to tell him now. (laughs) Yeah, no, as soon as we get off, I'm going to, I'm going to get to him. An hour and 11 minutes. Oh, coming up on an hour and 12 minutes. No, he's, um, you know, you're, you're awesome, man. And, and for everything that you've been through and, that it just doesn't even show like you persevere. I love that. You're such an embodiment of what I, you know, what I talk about with this whole do a day thing. And and that's why I knew when I started to get a taste of your story, I was like, I have to share this with the audience. Like this is uh this is too good to pass up. So thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome. And th- thank you. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. I've had cool. a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Evan, you know, you, you, uh, you just reiterated this whole point over and over again about like every single roadblock or bigger that just didn't stop you. You just went on to the next. And I think that's such a great reminder of, you know, how I try to leave this thing every time. It's just reminding people, look, today is a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Evan. Thank you, Brian. Okay. Now you get it. Now you understand why I couldn't fully introduce him up front because you've got to hear that story firsthand live from him without going into it knowing what you're about to get and it's a big one i mean you know for your your whole future your dreams to be centered on something that as far as you know requires both legs to then face cancer to think that you're still going to have your leg and to wake up and not have it anymore and then what and he never quit and he never said why me and he all of it like Think about that when your chips are down, when you're in pain, when you're struggling. Think about what he went through, how he chose to interact with it, and how he chose to live his life coming out of it. That is incredible. This is not a bitter guy. This is not a guy who feels like a victim. And of course he had pain, physical and emotional. He's just choosing not to let that be his dictated story. You know, that word choose, it's in there. I, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm very lucky that I got to, got to talk to Evan, got to know him a bit. I'm inspired by him. I'm impressed by him. And I'm impressed by what it means for all of us. So take that, grow from it. Um, you can follow him and, and all that. You know, I feel kind of petty talking about following on social media and subscribing to the show and all that on the back of, of this episode. Um, I would just say there's a lot that you can get from following Evan. There's a lot you can get from subscribing to this show and following me because it's stuff like this. And if this doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. So there's your call to action to go out and do a day. I mean, that's about as real as it gets. It's a choice. Choose it, people. Today's your day. Go out and do it just like Evan does every single day from the right attitude. Take care, everyone.